The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the longest-running Internet radio program in America, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, a comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the sixth consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress through the 2016 season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. And a pleasant good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show from our beautiful and newly remodeled palatial UltimateSportsTalk.com radio studios. I normally say that on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show, but... Because this is the first broadcast that we're doing from our new digs, well, we've got a chance to say it tonight. It's opening day as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. Actually, I guess it was yesterday, thanks to ESPN and their contract with Major League Baseball. But the Indians, they got rained out. The Reds, though, they played this afternoon, and they did something, Mark, as we head down south to Mark Donahue, our resident Reds expert, today's Reds did something that the 1975 and 1976 world champion Cincinnati Reds could not do. They won on opening day. Well, don't forget, Dave, I hate to burst your balloon, but <laughs> uh, being the realist I am, the Reds also won their first game last year, and their second, and their third, and their fourth, and their sixth. And they still finished uh, in last place, and they lost 98 games. So I'm not convinced after one day, but i got to tell you, it was a great win for the Reds, some, some big hits in the eighth inning. We can get into the game in more detail in a few minutes. But, look, when you win an opening day, it's a success no matter what happens the rest of the year. And they actually had the biggest crowd in the history of Great America Ballpark today for, for a regular season game. I don't know how they keep cramming in. You know, you hear that almost every year. <laughs> so they must put folding chairs in the outfield or something to, to get more people in there. But a great win for the Reds. They had great pitching today. Uh, Rossell Iglesias uh, was outstanding. Uh, did not walk a batter. I think he struck out seven. And uh, he went six innings. And the bullpen was perfect. Uh, they gave up no runs, no hits, and only one walk. And, uh, of course, Again, being being a realistic uh, person that I am, they did beat the only team in baseball that was worse than them last year, the Phillies. And you can tell why the Phillies lost 99 games. Mark, being a Browns fan, a win is a win is a win. You know, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Made you speechless on that one, didn't I? Well, yeah, you changed sports on me. I, I wasn't quite ready for that. But, um it's interesting when a team play is and the anticipation is they are going to have a bad year as every expert that I've read has said the Reds are going to finish dead last in the central. So on a percentage basis, each win during a year like that takes on more importance. I mean, it's because you're only going to win a few games. So a win is very important. Every win is important. But the Reds showed some things today that I think they can build on. Uh, J.J. Hoover was outstanding out of the bullpen. 
uh, as oh come on, Mark. He was. He, 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 he was. was not outstanding. There were the first two batters that he faced. It was an outstanding play by Tyler Holt down the left field line. Otherwise, it's a double. And then Billy Hamilton outran another another one. Now the third batter, okay, but, but wait the first a two batters, Hold he on, wasn't pal. that great. Let's back up the bus here. <laughs> back up the bus. Uh, those those hits you say were flares. One down the left field line and one in right center field. They were not well hit. And Billy Hamilton made a fantastic catch. And, and so did uh, Tyler Holt down the left field line on the first. Former Indian. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't that they pounded the ball, uh, but great defense. I mean, it, it could have been two doubles there with, with different defensive players in, in place. So I, I think he did. Hoover did. Fans, don't listen to Dave. He's negative. Don't listen to him. It was an outstanding performance by Hoover. They did not square the ball against him, and but the defense did bail him out because they could have been two doubles, albeit they would have been bloop, bloop doubles. They, they would have been doubles. It, it was an outstanding job by the Reds today as far as pitching is concerned. I've, I took a lot of notes during today's game since the Indians didn't play. Mark, if you recall, oh, by the way, tonight is our prediction show, so in the next half hour, the, the second half hour of the show, Mark and I will be giving you our Major League Baseball predictions, so stick around for that. But, Mark, we started the season on March 7th. If you recall, on March 7th, when we started the show for the sixth straight year, longest-running Internet show on on the Internet today, anyway, we said that night it was 70 degrees in Ohio. And on April 4th, when the teams opened up, it would probably be 30 degrees and snowing. And sure enough, Mark, it was 30 degrees, less than 30 degrees today in Cleveland. That's the reason that they canceled the game. And snow. Now, I know in, in watching Chris Welch and, and Tom Brenneman on Fox Sports today, the Cincinnati crowd... It started out 60 degrees down there, and then the temperature just plummeted the closer you got to game time. Yes, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> and for those of you who care about such things, I just got back from walking my dog here in, in, in Dayton, Ohio, or Kettering, Ohio, about 40 miles north of Cincinnati, and it's snowing. So Dave is right about this, that it did drop precipitously. Uh, and, uh, again, folks, you have to understand, we have our prediction show tonight. But what we're, we're not predicting, we are telling you the results. So you, you could take our predictions to Las Vegas and bet the house. Go ahead. Bet your house on all of our predictions because we're infallible, just like we are in terms of the weather. Believe Go ahead and do that, and just in case I do loan modifications on, on the side, too. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, you know, hey, Mark, all right, let's talk about, the Reds. Well, first of all, the Indians, they're going to play the game tomorrow at 110. Okay. The day started out for Cincinnati, I thought, in grand style. Pardon the pun. But Lou Pinella, the last manager to win a World Series for the Reds, was the grand marshal of the parade today. They had thousands and thousands, like they always do in Cincinnati, jam-packing downtown during the parade. It looked like it was a great scene, 60-degree temperature. I saw Welsh out there walking around in a long-sleeve dress shirt with a tie with the, the little kids, the Little League program down there in Cincinnati. And then the game began, 
and it was just an electric as- atmosphere. Rasiel Iglesias came right out and was throwing bean balls at Devin Mezzarocco, and Philadelphia, in the first inning, couldn't handle him. But Zach Cozart today, Mark, I've got to tell you, I've got six words for today's game. Zach Cozart, Zach Cozart, Zach Cozart. That guy, for not playing in over 80 games a year ago, Mark, he came out and in game one looked like the best player in baseball. Yeah, three for three, a sacrifice fly, and a game-tying RBI. Uh, you're right. He, to me, he looks a little stockier than he was last year, which may be because of weight training. But uh, he he doesn't look quite as as quick on, on the infield. I, I saw a couple plays. We'll see. This is the first game. He's going to continue to heal. And, you know, I, I think if, if he can hit 250, 260, uh, the Reds are going to be in great shape this year. You know, it was a great pitcher's duel. Jeremy Hellickson and Iglesias just threw the heck out of the baseball today for six innings. Yeah, they did. And Hellickson, he really, I've never seen Joey Votto strike out three times in a game. But but if he has, I, I doubt he's ever looked as bad striking out. I mean, he swung and missed a three sliders or change-ups on the inside corner that you couldn't he couldn't possibly put the bat on. So Hellickson really had his number. And I don't know if you noticed this. In the eighth inning, when Joey Votto came out with, with a huge base hit, uh, they they pitched him. They didn't pitch him the same way. I, and I I was thinking, wouldn't you think if you strike out a guy three times on breaking balls or change-ups on the inner third of the plate, you might want to go back there once or twice? Their relief pitcher didn't. He kept the ball in the outside corner, which is exactly what Votto wants. What's he do? He lines it to left center field. Two-run RBI. Well, if you recall, they said Russell, who was facing him at that point in time, uh, Votto over the years is 3-for-13 against him. So evidently, Russell's got his own way of pitching. But Hellickson today, you know, I want to go back to him. He pitched as well as I think I've ever seen this kid pitch. He He came out of the Toronto farm system, and he has had a lot of potential, but he's bounced around from a couple of teams. But today, now obviously it's just game one, but in today's game, he pitched extremely well. And Iglesias also, six innings pitched, gave up two run- earned runs on that two-run homer in the second. Six hits in the ball game, seven strikeouts, but he didn't walk anybody. And that entire red staff mark, as you said, bullpen included, only gave up one walk, and that was from Tony Singrani. And to be honest, Mark, I thought he got squeezed by the home plate umpire. Nonetheless, it was a walk, and that was the only one the Reds gave up all day. Yeah, it was good. You can't, no matter who they're playing, no matter what, how they do it, to win on opening day, it energizes the team, it energizes the city. And I was particularly, of all the base hits today, and it's great to see Zach Cozart, but Jay Bruce coming up with a two-run RBI single in the eighth inning, I thought was the biggest hit of the game for any one player psychologically. And, you know, Jay Bruce has been the subject of trade talk ever since the, the season ended last year. And the guy has handled this thing with such class. Uh, no bad-mouthing the Reds. He owns the fact he's had two lousy seasons. And he might have an, an, another lousy season this year. Who knows? But he's always been a good citizen. You've never heard anything about Jay Bruce doing anything untoward. Uh, he's a smart guy. and he, He's the kind of guy you really pull for.
And whether he's with the Reds or he's with the Yankees or whoever he's going to finish the season with, uh, I hope he has a great year and a great career. You know, it's amazing. This guy, he's not even 30 years old yet. You think he's been around for 15 years. He came up when he was what, 20, <coughs> excuse me, 21 years old. He's only 29. And he's got a, a lot of baseball left in him. And I hope he makes the adjustments that the pitchers have made to him because he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, he, the Reds, I hope, keep him. I hope that they do what they can to keep him this year. You know, I like to give credit where credit is due. And you made the comment last week that the rumor coming out of the Cactus League was that Jay Bruce had changed his approach at the plate over the last couple of weeks of training camp. And, you know, Mark, I watched it this afternoon because he got down in the count Owen, or, uh, two strikes. I don't remember how many balls, but he got down in the count two strikes. And on that base hit that he got to center field, he shortened up his swing. And he line-drived it into center field. Not only that, but if you recall the pitches before that, he fouled off some tough pitches. Uh, there was a couple sliders down down that he stayed on. Normally, he pulls his head on those things and swings over them, but he didn't. You're right. He, he shortened his stroke. You can see he choked up a bit a la Joey Votto. And he lined the ball in the right center field, something he could handle. And it gave the Reds some breathing room that night, didn't But, again, those are the kinds of base hits uh, by Votto and by Bruce that really lift the spirits of the team. And, you know, again, this team has the capability of losing 100 games this year, but you can't take anything away from the from the fun and excitement of that first opening day victory. And, you know, the people will come back and, and watch them at least one more time. Mark, I was also impressed with Jumbo Diaz. I, I thought he had a different air about him on the mound and more <laughs> control than I've seen him have in past years. Well, this guy, you know, you forget, number one, he's, he's six, what, six, five, six, six. He's about 280. And he's throwing the ball up there today at 97, 98 miles an hour. Now, I, on a cold day like today, it's one of those things you hope you don't make contact because it's going to hurt. And he, the Reds have some strong arms. They just don't have Chapman. And of all the things they did last year that I wish they had not, I wish that they kept Chapman even for one more year, even his walk year, because they, they would have got a sandwich pick for the draft if they had lost him. And I don't think they got anything of value for Chapman. So I would have rather the Reds kept him. He would have been the, the ninth inning or eighth inning lockdown guy, both innings probably. And I think the Reds would have probably won several more games if he was their closer. You know, another guy, a couple of other guys that you've been talking about, on the show the last couple of weeks have been Duvall and Shebler. And they came up big in that eighth inning. They did. A walk to, to uh, Adam Duvall, a big walk leading off the inning. And Shebler did get a, a break because they, they were holding the runner at first base. And if that ball, if there wasn't a runner at first, that's an easy play for him. But again, offensively, don't be surprised if you see, if Billy Hamilton does not start hitting and getting on base, and he did have a walk tonight in the, in the eighth inning, but if he doesn't get on base, you may see Shebler in center field. And that would really lengthen the Reds' lineup because that then you've got, uh, you don't have an easy out in that lineup. 
if Shugler's in there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens the first couple of weeks here. But I, I would bet you that if, if he is hitting, if Hamilton is hitting 150, 160, 170, which is not impossible after the first two or three weeks, you're going to see them send him down and work on his hitting. And Shebler, who played center field last year some for the Dodgers, uh, he can move right into that spot, and now the Reds have a pretty potent offensive attack. Can you really see them sending Hamilton down to the minors? Oh, yeah, I absolutely can. Uh, And I think they'd bring up Peraza uh, because he gives them more uh, capability without a lot of reduction in speed. You, you could see Shebler and Peraza uh, platooning in center field. And together, those guys, I think, would hit 275, 280, as opposed to Hamilton, who won't. Now, will Hamilton steal more bases? Of course he will. And he's a great defensive player. So maybe you – I just don't see them. If they believe he has a chance to be a full-time major league player, they're going to send him down because they want him to work on getting better at the plate. If they don't believe that – and they may keep him on the roster and put Shebler center field, and Billy Hamilton becomes a you know eighth and ninth inning defensive replacement and a pinch runner. Well, if you're wondering why we're only talking about the Reds' opening game today, it's because the Indians got rained out earlier today. They'll play their first <laughs> game tomorrow afternoon at Progressive Field against the Boston Red Sox. Mark, I'll tell you what, that game at one ten tomorrow. Was supposed to be this afternoon. That game at one ten tomorrow has that is another one that could be a pitcher's duel because you've got two former Cy Young Award winners going in that one, and Corey Kluber for the Indians and David Price for the Red Sox. What's the weather forecast tomorrow? Cold and cold some more on Wednesday, and even colder on Thursday. But what I want to say is, I'm big in in conveniences and. I'm, I'm circumstances. The last time the Indians won a division title was in 2007, and the opening series that they played at home was snowed out. I'm big on that. So you think there's a correlation to a snowstorm in 2007, <laughs> and what your team is going to do in 2016? Is that what you're saying, David? Mark, I am a Cleveland fan. I look for good omens anywhere I possibly can. Speaking of Cleveland, I want to bring up a player that I don't know that I recall a guy. I'm sure it's happened before, but I was always I like this guy because he was a local guy. Uh, tell the fans what has happened, where Justin Masterson was three years ago today, and where he is now. I have no idea. You know, that's a good question. I have absolutely no idea where Justin Masterson is today, but three years ago, he was the Indians' opening day starter. That's right, and he was cut today. I forget who cut him. I think it was Arizona may have cut him uh, because it was in the the Dayton Daily News today that the Reds may be taking a look at him. And I'll tell you, it's when you hear that kind of story, and it it seems to happen more with pitchers than it does with, with everyday players. But these guys are one pitch away from injuries that and they, that they never come back from. And Justin Masterson, you know, you said three years ago he was the opening day pitcher. He was a dominant pitcher three, four, five years ago. I mean, he, he was really the real deal. And a lot of interest in him. And the Indians must have seen something because they got rid of him rather quickly. Uh, he, he fell from grace, you know, within two or three months. 
you know, for whatever reason, Mark, and you're more of a pitcher than I am. I, I was always the catcher. His ball just flattened out, and I don't know why. He always had that three-quarter to sidearm delivery, but his ball, the last year he was with Cleveland, just flattened out. Yeah, and that's it's hard to understand how that can happen to a pitcher that a pitching coach can't fix. When something like that it is so obvious that maybe it's the grip. Uh, did he have any arm problems that you're aware of? No, none, none. It was, it was. That's what made it so curious was that he didn't have any type of an injury. It was just all of a sudden, <clears throat> it just his ball flattened out, his curveball didn't dip, his slider just stayed steady. And he just just lost it. You know, there's a to me the the picture that exemplified what we're talking about more than any other. And for those of you who are much younger than we are, which is most of you, uh, let me take you back to 1961 when the Reds won the pennant. They had a kid who came up, a farm boy. I think he was from Indiana, had never pitched in the big leagues before, and his name was Ken Hunt, and he won his first. Nine games. Nine and oh. He made the all-star team. And then he got homesick. And he lost his next ten. And he never pitched in the big leagues again. That's how quickly things can happen. So. Well, I'll give you another one that's closer to, our, to many of our fans' time zone is Mark Fidrich with Detroit. That's true. I mean, he was 15-3 and three his first year, Mark, and then he just lost it. Well, no, he had he had an arm injury. Well, it, yeah, it was an arm, but, I mean, he never recovered from it. But the guy for the Reds, it wasn't an injury. He, he just lost it mentally and uh, would never could never regain it. And came to spring training the next year, couldn't make the team, and ended up he, he, did, he didn't like being away from home. So there's, there's a lot of things that go into being a pitcher – which I think is the most difficult thing to do in baseball is, is to throw it. And some of these guys, I re- really respect these guys who can hang around, and they don't have great stuff, but they they think their way through it, like Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin, those guys. Uh, I don't think Greg Maddox ever threw over 90 miles an hour his whole his entire life. He's in the Hall of Fame. So there are ways to get hitters out, but... Uh, I, I read about Masterson today, and I wanted to bring it up just to remind fans that it was three years ago where he was. Uh, do you think he was as good as Kluber? No, I, I never thought. No, I you know I always thought Masterson was the Indians' ace and Kluber was the number two, but that was before Kluber really settled into being Corey Kluber, where he's been the last three years. But Masterson. You know, he was the ace of that staff, and had it not for him losing it, I mean, the when you look at the Indian starting rotation, and I, and I want to look at this, Mark, and, and here's the puzzling thing. Last week, a rumor came up that out of Dallas, Texas, that the Rangers and the Indians were talking a trade, and the Indians were going to give up a starting pitcher. The Rangers were going to give up a middle reliever. Now, Initially, everyone wondered who the starting pitcher was that the Indians were giving up because their starting rotation, their starting five, when they came into training camp, was Kluber and then Carrasco, Salazar, Trevor Bauer, and probably between Josh Tomlin and Cody Anderson. Well, what happened was 
in the last weekend, just last Thursday or Friday, the Indians announced that Bauer was all of a sudden going to go to the bullpen and that Anderson and Tomlin had taken over the fourth and fifth spots in the rotation. Now, granted, they had pitched well, but so had Bauer. And, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit last Friday and, and even yesterday. It's my feeling that the Indians have finally grown tired of Trevor Bauer's act, and I think they've got him on the trade the, the trade market, and they'll take just about anything for this kid. You know, when they got him from Arizona, they got him for pretty much a song. You know, Cincinnati was involved in that three-way deal, and, you know, between Arizona, the Reds, and the, the Indians, and they really got him for a song because the Arizona owner and their entire front office had just grown tired of his act where he won't listen to anybody. And the Indians had kind of compromised with him, Mark, over the last couple of years since they've had him, that, hey, if you try some of our stuff, we'll let you continue your stuff. But the rumors started coming out of Cleveland about six months ago, towards the end of the year, that the worse things got for Bauer, the more he started to rely on his way instead of the team's way. And I think the Indians have really grown tired of it. And I'll tell you one thing, Mark. He gets another another team. That's three in three years, realistically. And he's looking at a very, very plummeting downside to his career at only 24 years old. Well, that's why I mentioned to you half in jest, half serious. You know, the Reds need need some pitching. And he may be a guy that you could get cheap. And what would you want for Trevor, Trevor Bauer? Singrani. Oh, no. That they would want a they would want a left hander. If they're looking for a middle reliever, Mark, they're looking for a lefty. I would almost guarantee that. I hate to see that. I think Singrani can be a great left hand uh short guy, uh, and maybe even a closer for the Reds. Um how about your needs in the outfield? Well, uh, you know, they, they kept Naquin. Brantley is supposed to be back by the first of May. Um, you know, they've got, the, the lineup today actually had Rajay Davis in center field, which I'm, I'm dead set against. I wish they would go with Naquin. Uh, in left field, you know, they, that's kind of a jumbled up mess right now. Nobody knows who's going there, but it's going to be your old buddy in right field, Marlon Bird. He'll be there for the Indians tomorrow. And you're going to be surprised, Mark. I'm, I'm up in the air about this Indians team, but when we get into our predictions here in just a little bit, you're going to be surprised with where I put the Indians. But I want to get back to the Reds before we do that. I liked the lineup. I liked the way they had the lineup spread out today with Phillips batting sixth, then Bruce, then Mesoraco. But my gut feeling is, Mark, when Mesoraco actually gets settled in, because he really did not play much during spring training. When he gets settled in, they'll probably flip-flop those two. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. They'll, they'll move if he starts to hit, they're going to move him up into the you know to the fourth or fifth spot as they should, and he can he can bring a lot of power to the Reds. But you know he, he didn't have a home run last year. Of course, he only had 45 at bats, I think, or something like that. But he can he can really lengthen your lineup and make that team kind of scary offensively. I mean, this, that team can score some runs. And you were right. I like that lineup too. 
And in terms of the Reds' ability to to score this year, I think they're going to they're a much better offensive team than they were last year, no question about it. And if they can get through April at 500, and maybe even to mid-May at 500 or a little below, they got a chance to win some games because they're going to score runs, and you're going to get your your rotation back, which is completely on the disabled list now. Every every pitcher that was supposed to be you know, in their rotation is gone on, on the DL. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting that if the Reds can get off to a good start, uh, I think they could prove some of the uh, prognosticators is wrong. I loved what Chris Welch said about why Rasiel Iglesias started today. And that was with the, the decimation of the Reds' starting rotation, Iglesias was actually the best pitcher left standing. That's the truth. That's absolutely true. And if the Reds have any, if they could move him into their fifth spot, if he becomes their fifth pitcher, the Reds have a chance. They really do. And and that's, uh, if you want a strong starting five, you want a guy like Iglesias at the bottom of it. That means everybody above him is really, really good. And that would be, uh, that would be a pretty interesting uh, team then. But again, I don't want to get, too amped up over one win when particularly in the first seven innings, the Reds had, what, three hits and looked terrible at the plate. They got good pitching, but uh, let's let's revisit this in 30 days. And if the Reds are hovering around 500, uh, you know, it may be a different season than we're anticipating. Well, in a move that the Reds made today also, Finnegan's going to pitch on Wednesday. He's one of the guys that got from Kansas City in the Johnny Cueto trade. He's a left-hander, so he's going on Wednesday against Philadelphia. Tomorrow's an off day for both clubs. And then your guy, Robert Stevenson, is coming up to pitch on Thursday, and that's because the Reds put Homer Bailey on the 15-day DL yesterday to round out their roster after Tommy John surgery. He probably needs that, Mark. He probably needs a couple of more starts with the minor leaguers out in Arizona to get ready. But Stevenson, I think, is kind of a surprise. Yeah, and, you know, he's a guy who has just never lived up to the billing so far. Uh, He got clobbered in spring training. He did not look good at all. Everything he threw was letter high. So I don't know what they have learned about him in the last two weeks since they sent him down. But uh, if if he's not the guy that they, everybody says he was going to be, this organization has some explaining to do because everybody that you talk to over the last three or four years, or two or three years, has said that Stevenson is the man. He's going to be the number one pitcher. He's going to move into that role of Johnny Cueto. He's the he's the guy, and he couldn't even make the team this year. And if it wasn't for all this, these injuries, he would not be on the team. Well, he's on. he will be on the team. He'll be starting on Thursday, and we'll get a chance to see just what he is going to be like, at least in one start. Now, whether or not he gets any more starts after that is up in the air. It's time now, Mark, as we've done. This is the sixth year. It's time for our prediction show. And what we'll do is we'll go with the Western Division of both the National and American League first, then we'll go with the East, and then we'll go with the Central. We'll give our playoff teams, and then we'll give our World Series competitors and who will win the World Series this year. But 
before we do that, tip-off happened just minutes ago. It's Villanova and North Carolina. Just for the heck of it, who wins? Villanova. I'm taking North Carolina. I'll bet you $3 million. <laughs> oh, why not? Okay. All right. All right. Let's start out. And since you're the National League expert, let's start out in the National League West. Let's go from fifth through first. And you can go first, Mark. Who is your, who are your top five contenders in the National League West? Well, you know, the, the West, there could be an argument here of what, what division in baseball is the best. Uh, given the fact that Arizona is so much improved this year, I gotta go with the National League West over the, the National League Central. But I've got Colorado finishing fifth, San Diego fourth, and then it gets tougher. Uh, I've got Los Angeles third, Arizona second, and San Francisco first. I think with, with Cueto going over there, uh, he, he gives them that extra starting pitcher, and I think they're going to be tough to beat. You went alternate years, didn't you, with the Giants? No, I, did, I thought about that, <laughs> and it was kind of a cliche. But, you know, it, it is interesting how they they never sink that far. Uh, they're always near the top. And uh, I think they went out and they were aggressive this year. I mean, they clobbered Milwaukee today, what, 12-3 to 3 or something. And, again, one game is not a season. But San Francisco looks to have everything. They've got power. They've got speed. They've got pitching. They've got a bullpen. Uh, and a manager. They've got a great manager. And Arizona – uh, they just haven't proven anything yet, but the biggest mystery to me in baseball has got to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they, they have more money invested in that, in that team than any team in baseball, including the Yankees, and they just don't win. And I, I don't see them better than San Francisco. I don't know if you do or not. We'll hear it in a minute, but, uh, I think that, I think Arizona could be that Los Angeles. Well, we've got one thing set between you your predictions and mine. We've just got one. Colorado finishing in last. I I never could understand why they made Walt Weiss the manager of the Rockies. I still don't understand it. I think when they finally get good, he'll be gone, but I don't think they'll be good until he's gone. I've got number four, Arizona. I am just not sold on the Diamondbacks. I know their pitching is pretty decent, but I'm just not sold on the Diamondbacks. In third, I've got the Padres. Sooner or later, the Padres are going to start winning some baseball games, and I think it's going to be this year, but I don't think it's going to be good enough to even compete for the division championship. The second-place team I've got is the team that you've gotten first. I've got the Giants at second, and I've got the Dodgers at number one. I, I just think the Dodgers have got too much for the Giants, even though I think it's going to be nip and tuck all the way between those two teams, just like it has been over the last couple of years, Mark, but I've got the Dodgers winning in the National League West. Well, What do you have in the American League, in the American League West? Let's see here. American League West. Um, well, going from fifth to first, I've got Seattle. Uh, I've got – well, th this is tough. There's a lot this of – This one was a tough division. It's, it's tough because everybody's about the same. You know, even Seattle's good. Uh, I've got Oakland finishing fourth, uh, Texas third. Uh, I'm going to go with Los Angeles second and Houston first. 
Texas second and Houston first. No, Houston first, Los Angeles second, Texas oh, okay. third, Oakland fourth, and Seattle fifth. All right. I've got Oakland finishing in last. I just don't know what they've done during the offseason to improve themselves. Seattle, I think their biggest improvement was getting rid of Lloyd McClendon as manager. Whoever they hired, which I really don't remember, uh, to be honest with you, is an improvement over Lloyd McClendon. Seattle I've got in fourth place, only because Oakland will be worse than Seattle. In third place, I just don't see what the Angels have done to improve themselves. I know they've got probably one of the premier players in baseball in Mike Trout, but I just don't know, and especially with C.J. Wilson now on the disabled list for at least the first month, their pitching, which was already in shambles, is even worse. I've got Texas, the second-place team, and I've got Houston winning that division. So, again, we are completely off the grid as far as your predictions and mine no, we, in the Western Division. We both picked Houston first. Well, the rest of it, we, we're nowhere near. Who cares? I mean, he, <laughs> we got Houston first. That's the main thing. How about the National League East? Uh, this to me is such a slam dunk that, um, it, but it's, it's been a slam dunk every year. But I've got, uh, Atlanta finishing fifth, although you could throw Atlanta and Philadelphia and pick them out of a hat. They're both pretty bad teams right now. I got Miami third. I got New York second and Washington first. And that is going with my, Heart, I guess, more than my head. I have you seen or recall a pitching rotation like the Mets have one through five? I mean, yeah, the Indians. Oh God, get out of here! I'm serious. The Mets, the Mets, I think, are much better than the Indians pitching staff. I mean, they have they have five guys who can throw uh, 95 miles an hour, and their starting rotation, I think, is the best. I can't remember one. It's that good one through five, and it certainly isn't the Indians. But Washington, we say this every year, <laughs> they should win the World Series. I mean, that team, at every position is loaded. And they got great pitching. they got great offense. Uh, they've improved their defense. Uh, and they should win. But you, you know, I talked about this, was it, what, 2012, when they didn't uh, pitch Strasburg? And they took yes. out of the rotation. They they haven't won since. And we said back then, you have so few chances to win. And Strasburg ended up getting hurt anyway the next yes. year. I mean, he was on the DL for two more times. So it, it's a it's a less a tough lesson to learn. But these teams, when you have a chance to win, you've got to go for it. And I think if if they had had Strasburg on that in that rotation, they would have won the World Series. Well, the only time the Washington Nationals was won is when they had a former Reds manager at the helm, Davey Johnson. Yeah, I remember that. And they've got Dusty Baker now. I think Dusty Baker is going to make a – I'm going to go backwards on this one because we're talking about Washington right now. I've got them winning the division also, and I think Dusty Baker is going to be a big reason for that. I think he's going to bring some common sense to that team. He's going to understand how to use the bullpen, and he knows how to win. He's a winning manager. So I've got the Nationals finishing in first place along with you in the National League East. I've got the Mets finishing in second. But I've got Atlanta third, Miami fourth, and Philadelphia fifth. I think Atlanta's a young and upcoming club. 
I know that they got rid of some key players, but I think they got a lot of prospects back. And I just have a lot of confidence in John Hart as the head of that organization. So we've got the first two the same in the National League East, Mark, but the last three is is a jumbled mess. How about the American League East? American League East. Um, again, tough division, although um, – the, the, the team that's always screwing up that division when you're picks is Boston. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you never know where that team's going to finish, either first or last. And But I, I've got, in the East, I've got Baltimore finishing fifth. And, again, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, I, I think, are about the same in terms of, of the, the quality of players they have. The Yankees, I've got third. Uh, Tampa Bay fourth, Yankees third. i got Boston second this year. And, again, it depends on their pitching. And it'll be pretty interesting next year at this time when we're talking if Joey Votto is going to be part of the Boston Red Sox next year. Because I was looking at what is going to be happening when when Big Poppy leaves. That's the only team that can afford Votto. And he would – Joey Votto could hit 400 playing for Boston with that left field wall. He, he, He tattooed that thing about 50 times a year. So uh, that, keep that in the back of your mind for next year. But I got Toronto. I think they're clearly the best team in the East, uh, and that that team they're a World Series contender. I'm sure you could get Pablo Sandoval for Joey Votto. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you could. <laughs> Mark, you're not going to believe this. We have none, absolutely none, the same in this division. I have got Tampa Bay. Finishing in last. Okay. I have got the Boston Red Sox finishing in fourth. I'm just not enamored with their starting pitching, even with David Price. I have got the Toronto Blue Jays finishing in third, only oh, because geez. a team that is led by Mark Shapiro oh. always finishes in third. Oh, David. So there we David. go. I've got the David. Blue Jays finishing in third. I've got Baltimore at number two, why do you think Baltimore is so bad, Mark? No pitching. I think they've got better pitching than Boston. Well, when you start with David Price at the top of your rotation, they've got a, a young a young staff, but overall I think Boston's going to score more runs uh, than Baltimore. And I just think the, the sleeper in that division could be the Yankees. But uh, Yes, I've got them winning it. you got the Yankees. Where do you have Toronto, second? I've got Toronto third. I've got Baltimore oh. second. Boy, how much are we betting on this? <laughs> that steak dinner that keeps rolling over and rolling over. Hey, I'll put another million into this thing. Ah, there you go. You know, we better not let the IRS know about okay, this. Okay, okay. But, yeah, I just think, you know, the Yankees' problem last year was they really didn't have a setup man. Now they're able to move their closer from a year ago into the setup role and move Chapman into the closer's role, and I think that's going to have a big, big impact on that team. Plus, you've got CC Sabathia that's coming back. I, I just think this team is ready to win this division. And plus, Mark, i got to tell you, this is a, a division that has got two, I think, outstanding managers. Joe Girardi's one of them. Buck Showalter's the other one. And I just think, you know, I'm not sold on John Farrell. I, I'm definitely not sold on John Gibbons with Toronto. And Tampa Bay's manager is the former bullpen coach, 
for Terry Francona in Cleveland. So that tells you what I think about that. I, I just so don't I, think any any team in that division can stay with Toronto offensively. I mean, th- that is a wrecking crew Toronto has. I mean, th- they're going to probably hit 250 home runs this year. And th- I don't think anybody is going to be close to them, frankly. I think they're going to win that division in a walk. So I'm not so sure even Batista is going to be there after the trading deadline. Why? Because he dropped a fly ball last night? No, because that is the Mark Shapiro way of handling things. Oh, David. He doesn't let guys play out their free agency. He doesn't do it, Mark. Well, he always the, trades them. They've got the money up there. They have more money than Cleveland. And I don't. I can't imagine them breaking up that offensive uh, juggernaut they have up there. Uh, again, that team is probably going to score six, seven runs a game every night. And I don't think there's any that, – that, to me, that's one of the weakest divisions in baseball, if not the weakest except for Toronto. Remember, I'm the one that told you within two months the Toronto fans would be yelling for Shapiro's head. Yeah, and if they're and not, they are. and if they're not, uh, you're you're gonna you should jump off a building because I you you hold a grudge, David. I, it's really it's a twelve year grudge. It's a twelve year grudge. Yeah. 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 All right, National League Central. Oh boy. I know this was this one was tough. Uh, I think one of the worst teams I've seen so far in spring training in last year was Milwaukee. So I've got them fifth. Now, it gets kind of interesting here because Milwaukee is clearly the worst team in the league. They should finish fifth. The unknown here is Cincinnati because, as I said earlier, they're going to score runs. They're not going to score runs like Toronto. But if they can get through the first month of the season – I think they could finish as high as third with Pittsburgh dropping back into fourth. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh has the offense the Reds have, and I don't think they have the pitching the Reds have if the Reds get Bailey back and they get their other four starters back. Then it becomes kind of interesting. Uh, if Milwaukee's fifth, let's say Pittsburgh fourth, the Reds third, then it's between Chicago and St. Louis. And every, the, the the smart money is saying Chicago, and I just don't see it yet. I think the Cardinals will find ways to beat them, and I got the Cardinals first, Chicago second, the Reds third, which may be a surprise to some people, Pittsburgh fourth, and Milwaukee fifth. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I have got the Cincinnati Reds finishing in fifth. I have, and only because I think the Brewers have a better offense than, or better pitching, I should say, than the Reds do. I think the Reds have better offense, but I think the Brewers have better pitching. I've got the St. Louis Cardinals finishing in third this year. I, I just, I watched them play yesterday, and I watched them play a few times in spring training, and I just don't have that feeling that they've got the it factor this year uh, to compete in that division with two teams that I think are really going to battle this thing out tooth and nail throughout the entire season. I think the Cubs are going to finish in second and the Pirates are going to win that division. I don't know why. I can't justify it. It's just a gut feeling I have, Mark, that the Pirates are ready to take that one, one final step and finally win this division and get out of that one-game playoff that they seem to be stuck in the last three years. Well, the key to the Cubs this year is going to be Arietta. If he can come back and repeat what he did last year, really the last two years, 
then I think the Cubs have a, ch- a real chance to win it and go pretty deep in the playoffs. I admit my my bias toward the Cardinals is organizationally based only because I think that that organization will find the players to come in and keep them competitive. I don't see Pittsburgh like you do. I don't think they, their offense is as good as the Reds, and, and I don't think their pitching is as good as the Cardinals or the Cubs. So I, I don't think Pittsburgh is going to be as strong as you do. I think Milwaukee is far weaker than Cincinnati. So it'll be interesting to see how it, it plays out between St. Louis and, and Chicago. I think everybody that I've seen in baseball thinks it's going to be one of those two to win the Central Division. And I, I think the reason I took Pittsburgh, Mark, was because I like two players that they picked up, and they're corner infielders, and they are team ball players. They play baseball to win. John Jaso is going to be their first baseman this year, and David Freese will be their third baseman. Do they put up outstanding stats? No. But they always do something almost in every game to contribute to a win. Well, Freese is, is another guy that fell off the end of the earth after that big year. Was it uh, 2012 12 with the Cardinals? Yes. He had a huge year. And at one time he was leading the league in hitting and just was tearing the league up. And then the last two or three years, he's just not hit at all. I went to Boston. Uh, the Reds could have had him for a song, and they turned him down. And, I, I, again, these guys come and go very quickly. But it's interesting how the Cardinals pick up these guys sometimes, and they breathe new life into them. And if Freeze catches on at third base, you're right. I'm not um, – yeah, Freeze, I'm talking about the, the, the Pirates. If they can breathe yes. new life into him – yeah, I, I think he could be catching light in a bottle, but uh, I, I'm not convinced Pittsburgh overall has the depth. I, I, I don't see their pitching at all. I, I don't see see they're going to have uh, outside of Liriano. I, I just don't see the depth that they're, they're going to need to compete. Which takes us to the American League Central Division, and you have the honors. Uh, I don't think this is that tough. Um, I get Minnesota fifth. Uh, now, this might surprise you. I get De- Detroit fourth. I got the White Sox. Fourth? Yeah. Interesting. I got the White Sox third. I got the Indians second. And I got Kansas City first. Oh, my gosh. We have got everything the same except for two well, if you, this, spots. Then we missed 40%. I have got... Minnesota, number five. Yeah. I agree with you that Detroit will be the fourth best team. Okay. Chicago had better end up in third this year, or Robin Ventura is looking for a new job. Yep. I have got the Kansas City Royals finishing second and the Indians winning the division. Oh, with all of my griping about the Indians, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, Mark, and I'm taking the Indians. Only because I think the Indians have a better pitching staff than the Kansas City Royals. I really do. I, I think they've got better pitching. I think Kansas. I think defensively, I think Kansas City may be just a little bit better than the Indians. The Indians have, in, have improved their defense tremendously over the last three years, and I really believe that. But it's not that much of an advantage that Kansas City has. They're a better hitting ball club. But I think the Indians have better pitching. I'm taking the Indians, but I, I I am 
ready to say it wouldn't surprise me to see them not win the division and probably finish second. What what kind of prediction is that? Are you got to be <laughs> kidding me? I told you I'm taking the Indians to win it. Yes, you are, but then you're automatically saying, "Well, I really don't expect them to win it. I won't be surprised if they don't win it." That's not. I a, wouldn't be surprised if they don't win it. That's that's not a commitment to your pick. <laughs> You know, what scares me about this, when you pick them first like this, you obviously have high expectations for this team. And I can see them getting off to a slow start and hear the whining coming from you <laughs> sometime in the end of May when the Indians are in fourth place, they're four games under 500, and you start in on the organization and the front office and all these jerks they have. It's going to be a long summer if the Indians don't win. But that that kind of, uh, what do you call it, half-hearted selection on your part, that was weak. You didn't, you know, you need to say, I'm picking the Indians, damn it, and they're going to win it because they're the best team in the Central, and they're my guys, and I'm going to stick behind them. No, no. You say, I'm picking them, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't win it. They'll probably end up second or third. That's not a selection. Guilty as charged, except for the the voice inflection, where I'm, I'm not sure they're going to win it. But other than that, yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. Well, I mean, I've heard you whine now for six years, so I'm used to your whining. But the Indians don't they don't come up to expectations. And what year was it? Was it two years ago that they won ten in a row to get into the playoffs? Yes, two years ago. Uh, that was as enthusiastic as I've heard you in six years about that team, because it started off slow. They won a, a couple games, and you kept saying, well, Mark, if, if the next eight games, they're going to have to win six. Then they win two more. Well, you know, the next six games, they're going to have to win four or three, and then they kept going on and on and on and on, and all of a sudden, you were a changed person until the playoffs. Until the playoffs. Yeah. You're right. Speaking of playoffs... Who do you have in the National League? Who are your playoff teams? Uh, let me see. I've got that. I wrote that down here. I've got, uh, let me see, wild cards. Now, this is interesting because the wild card adds a whole new dimension to everything. Uh, I've got Chicago as the wild card, and I've got Arizona as a wild card. And the National League champion, I've got San Francisco. Then I'll stop there. Okay. In the National League, I've got the Giants and the Cubs as the wild card. Okay. And I've got the Cubs winning the National League. Well, you know, as a former Chicagoan, I lived up there for 13 years, I would like to see the Cubs win the World Series. But until a team does, uh, you've got, what, 108 years of futility behind them, so it's hard for me to get excited about their chances, and, and when so much depends on their uh, first two starters, Arietta, uh, and I forget who number two is, but uh, it, th that starting rotation has to be th the cornerstone of that team, because you're going to have, they still got young players there, Dave, and they've not proven it yet, uh, that, that they can stand the, the rigors of a season and the pressure that goes with that. So until they do, it's uh, you're gonna have to prove it to me. 
John Lester is their number two. That's right, starter. Lester. I, I knew who do you have? Who do you have in the American League? Uh, in the American League, I've got uh, the wild cards. Now this is interesting. Um, let me see here. This is only an hour show, Mark. I know Toronto. <laughs> uh, no, actually, actually, I've got uh, Kansas City and Houston. Well, who did you have winning the Central? I thought you had the Indians finishing second. Uh, in the Central, let me see who do I have here. I get you're right. I, I have the Kansas City winning it in the Central, and I've got uh, Cleveland as the wild card against Houston. Okay. I have got the Royals and the Rangers as my wild card teams, and hold on to your hats, everyone. I've got the Indians winning the American League. I've got two jinxed teams, Mark, the Cubs and the Indians in the World Series. Wow. <laughs> All right. So you've got the Cubs, and who's going to win the American League? Uh, I've got uh, – I'm having trouble because I scribbled it out and started over here. Uh, I've got Houston winning it. Okay. So you've got the Cubs in Houston in the World Series. That's right. I've got the Cubs and the Indians. So the Cubs in Houston, who wins? Houston. I have got, oh. believe it or not. Oh, my God, no. The Cubs to win the World <laughs> Series. I just, there's no way the Indian, there, there's a jinx there. You know, and the Cubs with Theo Epstein, I just got a feeling they're going to win the World Series this year. You know, Theo Epstein, if the Cubs do win the World Series, he's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he is, yeah. He may be in the Hall of Fame already. He's not even 50. Man. Yeah. Taking what, the Red Sox a... and the, and the, and the uh, Cubs to a World Series champions would be unbelievable. What a life, right? Yeah. All right. So that, for the sixth year, we've done it. Mark has got Houston winning it. I've got the Cubs winning it. So... Let's see what happens. We've got another 30 weeks of this, Mark, 30 weeks in the season. Now, the Reds, after winning today, they're off tomorrow, and they are going to continue on with the Phillies on Wednesday and Thursday, and then they entertain Pittsburgh over the weekend for a three-game set at Great American Ballpark, which, by the way, do you know I never knew why it was named Great American Ballpark until last weekend? Yeah, it's an insurance company. I, I it. It hit me like a a big basketball coming right off of the Great American Insurance Building. Yes. Well, if you ask, ask me sooner, Dave, I can fill these gaps in your life in. Well, I, I, maybe I should. The Indians, they're going to play three games in a row, hopefully, with the Boston Red Sox at Progressive Field tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and then over the weekend they go to Chicago to take on the White Sox. And we'll be back with another Ohio Baseball Weekly show next week. Thanks, Mark. Dave, one last thing before I go, because I, I won't be able to say it the rest of the year. The Cincinnati Reds are in first place. That's right. And the Indians aren't. That'll be the only time I'll be able to say that all year. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you again next week, Mark. Have a good one, Dave. Thanks a lot for joining us here this evening on our prediction show. Our thanks to Greg Mitchell, our producer. But most of all, our thanks to you for listening. I'm Dave Mitchell. For Mark Donahue, until next Monday night at 9 with another Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Good night, everybody. The Wiz Kids have won it. 
Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter.